Shoreline City, you guys ready for today or what? Come on, church. Come on, church. You guys ready? I hope you're fired up. You could be in jail. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to everyone. We are one church, five locations. So I want to give a big shout out to Mockingbird Station, Oak Cliff, North Dallas as well. I've got White Rock, Antigua. Great things are going on at our church family, and I'm thrilled. Every last one of you are here. Again, first time guests, we are thrilled to have you with us. I know you've been welcomed like seven times already, but I just want to do it one more time. At all of our locations, let's welcome our first time guests. Make sure they know we genuinely care about them. Uh, I've gone to yoga a few times, and I actually like it, just so you know, I actually like it. But whenever uh, you uh, go to a yoga studio, I walked in, I'm not sure, what's the room called that you go into? The dojo? I don't know. No, it's not the dojo. That's, that's Karate Kid. Uh, wherever the space you walk into where you actually do the yoga, I walked in with my shoes on, you know, one time. You don't do that. I didn't know. There's no sign that says no shoes, but you go into a place, you don't know all the rules. And I know that's what sometimes maybe a first-time guest might feel. C coming into church, you're like, okay, wh wh what are the rules? Here's our one rule. Wh number one, stay clothed. But other than that, you just be yourself, okay? Our only expectation is that you receive every ounce of love and grace that God has for you. And you allow us the opportunity to roll out the red carpet and show you how we, we think Jesus would treat you if you came to church today. So we're glad to have you with us. We've been in a series uh, called Mobilize. And uh, I don't know about you, but my heart has been encouraged. I feel like we've been pushed forward together as a church family. And we're going to continue with that series today. Uh, this might be the final installment. I don't know. We'll see what we'll do in December. I've got some things stirring in my heart still. But I'm, I'm so, so excited that we've been getting ready in this 2019 for all that God wants to do in 2020 and beyond. So are you ready to just smash 2020 or what? I mean, are you ready just to crush? I just, I want it to be my best year yet. I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. If you have no idea where that book is in the Bible, just make it up. Turn to any page you want to. Google it. Nehemiah chapter 1, as we're walking through all this mobilized, just trying to get everybody ready, like I said, as best we can for what God wants to do in our future. If you're still breathing, that means God still has a plan for your life. You know that, right? So just take a little breath in. See? He has a plan for your life. There's something he wants to do in you and through you. Now, once you can no longer do that, it's over, okay? Then, you know, we'll, we'll have the funeral, we'll celebrate your life. But, but until that moment, there's still a chance. There's still a chance for God to awaken dreams on the inside of you. There's still a chance for dreams and visions and purpose that he placed on the inside of you to be realized. And I met some 27-year-olds that sometimes feel like it's over. It's not over, okay? At 27, it is not over. I'll, I'll tell you, at 77, it's still not over. As long as there's still breath in your lungs, God can do something with your life, and he can push you forward, and you can fulfill the plan and purpose that he has for you. Nehemiah chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse number 2. Hanini, which sounds like a great sandwich, was one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, 
Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. And for some days I, I mourned, fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then he goes on and he shares the prayer and it's intimate, it's raw, it's real, and, and, and he shares everything he possibly can. And, and God works a tremendous miracle that we're going to get to in just a moment. But the title of today's message is, I got to go. I got to go. Not to the bathroom, but I got to go, meaning I got I to gotta do something. I, I, I got to take a step. Like, like some of us are, are in our, our business right now. We're like, I, I got to go. I got to do something. I got to move. Some of us are are in our marriages right now, we're like, man, I don't like how this thing is. I got to go. I got I to do something. Some of us are even looking at our friend group, the, the, the circle of people that are around us, and we're like, oh, my God, I got to do something about this. I got to go. Uh, I've shared this story uh, before. If you're a first-time guest, you, you probably wouldn't know it, but my our, our middle son, Grayson, he's now nine years old. When he was five years old, he had just started kindergarten, was his second day or third day of kindergarten, and, uh, and he was supposed to come home on the bus, and he did not get off of the bus. He actually wasn't there. Um, there are some times that you might not care where your kids are, like when you're on vacation and you're a parent. I don't think about my kids at all, okay? My wife asks me all the time, do you miss them? Who? That's what I say. But, but when, when you're back in town and you're expecting your five-year-old to get off of the bus and your five-year-old does not get off of the bus, um, that's a terrifying feeling. Our, our hearts sank. There was a lot of uh, fear, uh, anxiety, uh, anger in this moment. Uh, come to find out he was put on the wrong bus by the school, was dropped off on another side of town. We drive over there. We get him off of the bus. I still remember the, the, the doors of the school bus opening and Grayson literally melting into me as I held him. He said, Dad, I, I, I told him, this is not my home. This is not my home. This is not my home. He was still let off of the bus. Thankfully, he ran after it and got back on. I kept telling him, this is not my home. My house doesn't look like this. Now, this, it could have been tragic. It could have been terrible. And honestly, if I, if I feel it too much, I can, I can be moved to tears rather quickly on this one. But, but what happened with Grayson, I think, is happening all throughout the Metroplex. Individuals that are on the wrong bus, they're looking around going, this is not my home. This is not where I belong. I'm being invited to the parties, but this is not where I belong. Uh, I'm surrounded by people that kind of look like me, but, but, but I feel like I'm not home. There's something missing on the inside of me. There's something that, that's, quite, that, that's not quite right. There's something that's just a little bit off. And I want you to understand that what God does is he puts this little hole, this little vacuum on the inside of every human being. And, and we're not satisfied until we actually get that thing uh, satisfied by the right thing. And that right thing is not drugs, it's not alcohol, it's not more work, it's not more money, it's not a ring on your finger. It's actually Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He is the one. 
that actually fills that hole. But person after person after person at your job, person after person in your neighborhood and at your school and, and, and in, your, in your apartment complex, person after person in the cubicle next to you, I'm telling you, they're looking at their lives and they're going, I'm not home. Not home. And what God then does is he places a burden, his burden, on the hearts of people to go after his kids. It would have been silly for my wife and I to sit at our house and just wait for Grayson to show up. He's five. He wouldn't know how to get home. And I feel like sometimes the church has fallen into this mode. Church, we sit in our Sunday's best, the four walls of the church, and we just expect everyone to come to us. But my friends, that's not how it works. How God designed for this to be is you and I on Sundays get to have a family reunion, get to have a party, we all get to come together and be reminded of our mission, which is to go into all the world and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with every man, woman, and child, every friend, every enemy of ours. You and I have been blessed with this burden. We have been called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And the problem is too many of us, we think since we're good, everybody's good. Since my life is fine, everyone's life must be fine. Since I'm happy, everyone must be happy. But the truth of the matter is, everybody's not happy. And everybody's life is not put together. And everybody does not have what you have. The truth of the matter is, people sitting on your right and on your left right now, they could be some of the ones that need the hope and the love and the grace that's on the inside of you. Don't let that makeup fool you. Don't let the car they're driving fool you or the clothes that they're wearing fool you. Don't let individuals trick you by the exterior because I do think that there's some people that look awesome on the outside but are still crying out on the inside, I'm not home. And will we be a church that's willing to say, hey, we'll go to you and we'll open up the doors for you and we will lay down our lives on your behalf. We will be that type of church. I, I need to let you know I'm not interested in Shoreline City being some kind of cute, cool, hit place on Sundays that people go, Hang, no, no, we are on mission. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus in our city and in our generation. We are the ones that God is calling to step out of our comfort zones and be willing to go. We, we got a healthy church. I keep seeing baby after baby after baby after baby being born at this church, okay? Y'all are healthy. It's a good thing. <laughs> Whenever you got a baby, and they're, they're wonderful, but they cry. Woo, they cry, they cry, they, they cry, they cry, okay? And those of you like, oh, I can't wait to have a baby. You can wait. Because <laughs> it's real. It, it's wonderful, but it is real. And they cry and they cry. And you're like, why are you crying? And you're asking the three-month-old, why are you crying? And they, they can't tell you. They just keep crying. And you feed them and you, and you change your diaper and you, you pat them on the back. And they still keep crying. They still keep crying. Any three-month-old that would be in the bassinet crying, there is not a parent that sits in the living room and waits for the three-year-old, the three-month-old to come to them. What the parent does is the parent gets up and the parent goes to the child. And I'm just trying to paint a picture for you of the type of church I feel God has called us to be. 
We're not the ones that hear the cries and expect everyone to come to us. Oh, I'm sorry, take off your shoes. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't wear that. Oh, I'm, sh I'm, so I'm sorry, you can't believe that. I want you to know you can come to Shoreline City even if you don't believe in God. Oh, see, come on, y'all aren't ready for this. Come on, don't, don't look at me like that. You're like, wait, what do you mean? No, listen, we're lifting up Jesus. Do not get me wrong. We are all about the cross. We're going to keep pointing people to him. But you don't have to believe in order to show up here. Just show up. Get in the environment. Get around some people that will love you. And you go, whoa, is this what this Jesus thing is actually all about? Because I thought it was about throwing stones. I thought it was about who you voted for. I thought it was about the De Democratic or the Republican Party. And we're trying to tell you it's not about any political party. And it's not about what side of the tracks you were raised on. It's not about the color of your skin or your first language. This is about the cross of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And this man changed us and rearranged us. And we want him to impact your life too. Okay. I'm going for it, y'all. So I don't, whether you like it or not, Mockingbird, I know you're with me. <laughs> Go with me to verse number 11. Verse number 11. As you get there, you find out that he was cupbearer to the king. As, we, as we look at this passage of scripture, you need to understand that Nehemiah has a burden. And this burden is moving him to do something. He actually has a position of influence. Uh, you and I might not know, understand what a cupbearer is. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But I want you to see uh, that he has a job not at the church. He doesn't have a church job. He has a job in the marketplace. Okay. And I'm all for people working in the church. I do. Okay. But we can't have everybody working at the church. Because if everybody works at the church, then who's going to be reaching, to the pe reaching out to the people that are at your job? Who's going to be running the companies? So, so he, Nehemiah has this position, but he has this burden and he wants to do something about it. Can I make a quick little public service announcement? Just help you understand the spirit behind this heaven to earth offering that we've been talking about. Let me just share for a second that we're not doing the heaven to earth offering because we need money. We have this heaven to earth offering because we have a burden for people. And because we have a burden for people, we want to reach as many people as we possibly can. And we're, we're praying that we'd have a church that is feeling the weight of this too. One of the things that we're going, one of our initiatives in this Heaven and Earth offering is, is our back building the studio. Okay, it's a studio. Now, if you're at maybe Mockingbird or maybe Oak Cliff or even North Dallas, you maybe never been to this building. Well, congratulations to you because that building is terrible. It is a bad building. Just so you know, there was a time there were homeless people breaking in, living in that building. And we love homeless people, okay? But the stuff that they were doing, they left in that building. I'm not going to get into it right now, okay? This, the bathrooms don't work. The floor is nasty. There's a kitchen over there that look, you know, looks like roaches just like hanging out, just having a little party, a little gang. I'm being too real for you guys today. We... It is terrible, and it's actually where we have, <laughs> where we do growth track. So we just let those who are ready to be owners know, hey, are you in? <laughs> but we want, we want to take this building up a thousand notches. 
Why? Just so we can have a cool building? No, it's because we are interested in all of our youth and our junior high meeting over there so we can raise them up to be the next generation of leaders that God has called them to be. And we need a space to do it. We need, a, we need, a, we need an environment where we can say, hey, you matter, young people, and you don't have to let the labels of this world uh, put you in some box. We want to remind you that since God made you, he has the final say in your life. Let me go on. Cupbearer to the king. What, what, what is this cupbearer? His job is way worse than your job. Way worse. Okay? You think you have a bad job? This, is, this job is worse. His job is to taste the wine before the king tastes the wine in case the wine is poisoned. Because if it's poison, the king doesn't die. He does. That's his job. So every day. Lunch, fantastic meal, been set up, keto, it's keto meal, it's going to be delicious. King's losing weight, trying to look like Tim Tebow, and he is, uh, takes, Nehemiah takes, whoa, whoa, King, no, no, King, give that to me, King, give that to me, King. <coughs> no, no, King, no, this is good, King, this is good, you can go ahead, you can go ahead. Not once a day. Multiple times a day, this guy has to put his life on the line. Multiple times a day, he is facing death. Multiple times a day, he is stepping up for the king. That's his job. So then look with me in chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought, to, brought for him, I took the wine, I tasted it, and I gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This could be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? The king basically in this moment is about to write him a blank check. This is, you know, when you have those really rich family members are like, hey, how are things going? You're like, well, it's not good. It's not good. It's been really, really hard. Oh, oh what, do you, what do you need? What do you, what do you need? The king here, the king here writes him a blank check. But I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that that Nehemiah, he's writing about himself, he doesn't say, I was never sad. He said, I was never sad in the king's presence. Can I talk about your job for just a quick second? One, one second, a little, little commercial break for your job, okay? He does not say, I was never sad. He, just never, he says, I was never sad around my boss. Telling me that he managed his emotions when he got to work. That he did not come to work bringing all of his drama, but he came to work ready to work. And when he came to work ready to work, this opened up the door for this one time when he did not look right in his face for the king to go, hey, what's going on here? Instead, if he was always a drama king or queen, if he was always dealing with stuff, everybody would go, but here's Nehemiah again. 
Here's Nehemiah's issue. What's Nehemiah got going on today? He never would have had the open door with the king if he did not handle himself correctly and effectively at the office. But because he walked in with his shoulders back, because he walked in with his head held high, because he walked in with a smile on his face, because he took his job seriously, there was a moment where things did not look right and they knew something significant had to be off with Nehemiah. And then the door opened wide for Nehemiah to share the burden that God had placed on his heart. How are you carrying yourself into your office? How are you carrying yourself into your school? How are you carrying yourself into the marketplace? Because if you will carry yourself like Nehemiah, I think you'll be shocked at the doors that God will open for you. I said this before, I'll say it again. Favor follows hustle. Favor follows hustle. So can we please... If, you, if you're terrible at your job, tell them you go to another church. Tell them. Don't wear a Shoreline City sweatshirt. Matter of fact, we're going to start selling sweatshirts from other churches for those of you who are lazy at the office. You buy those in, you buy those in the lobby, and you wear that. Do not wear a Shoreline City sweatshirt if, you, if you're not crushing it at your job. I want you walking in, crushing that thing. You're like, well, they don't know me, and my job's not all that important. I get that. At least you're not drinking poison before the king. I'm glad. Ne I don't know if Nehemiah walked in with a skip. But... King, give me that wine. <laughs> I don't know. But I feel like he was not downcast. His shoulders weren't hunched over. And if you can hold yourself up, manage your emotions, increase your emotional capacity, you'll be shocked at the doors God will open for you. I'm not saying they're always going to open in your time. I'm not saying everything's going to line up the way you want them to line up. Joseph did the right thing, and Joseph ended up in prison, okay? They lied on him. He ended up in prison. He helped somebody else get out of prison. That person forgot about him. It wasn't until two years later that he actually got out. But he remained faithful. He kept doing what God had called him to do even when he was in the prison. And I'm telling you, cannot outgive God. If you'll be faithful where God has put you, you will be shocked at the doors that will open up for you. Favor follows hustle. Let me keep on going here because I got one of my favorite verses in this book of Nehemiah we got to look at. It's one of my favorites. Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 6. So he gets the blank check from the king and he ends up going and he rallies the troops and they begin to rebuild the wall. Verse number 6, chapter 4, verse number 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. All of our locations, everybody say half its height. Half its height. For the people work with all their heart. Everybody say all their heart. So do, do you see that they worked with their whole heart to get half a wall? Their whole heart to get half a wall. In our day and age, we like to work with half a heart and expect a whole wall. See how we got it twisted? In our day and age, we like, uh, no, no, I just want to make sure this works out. I want to keep all my options open. You can't, you can't have a marriage like that. 
if you want to tiptoe into your marriage and kind of feel, no, no, my friend, no. Once you said I do, that's a whole heart moment right there. You go all in. But too many people are giving half effort to their marriage and expecting a whole wall in their marriage. If you will be willing to go all in with the person that God has brought into your life, I, you'll be shocked at what God is able to do. Now you go, well, well there's only half a wall, Earl. I get that. Well, God can build the other half. He, he can take care of the other half. He's just wondering. He's wondering, are you going to give your whole heart first? Because really the whole heart effort is just a response to the cross. It's you and I looking at what Jesus Christ has done for us. And it's you and I saying, hey, because he went all the way, I can go all the way. I'm going to lay down my life because he laid down his life. And when you give that type of effort and you get half a wall, you'll be shocked what God can do with the other half. I wonder if we're going to be a church. I wonder if we're going to be a half heart church or a whole heart church. I know we've been these first seven years. We've been a whole heart place. But I wonder, are we going to try to click this thing into neutral? Do we think, okay, we're, we, we've arrived? Do we think, oh, man, we, we're good. We got our campuses. We got our friends. So I, I, I'm okay. We're trying to shift this thing into neutral down the second gear, I say no, friends. I just want you to know that's not my mindset. My mindset is I'm pushing my chips all the way in. All I'm signing up all over again for this thing. I'm saying, God, use my whole life for your glory. Take everything that you put on the inside of me, and I want you to squeeze me till all of it gets out. God, I want to die empty, not for my glory, but for yours. And I'm trying to rally thousands of people that will be around this glorious cross of Jesus Christ to, to not be content Living half-hearted lives. It's no fun. Who, who of us likes to go anywhere and get half effort? You ever go to a restaurant, you walk in, the person is there at the counter, and they don't even look at you? How can I help you? I mean, how can you, you can look at me. That's, that's how you can help me. Let me get a little bit more therapy for parents for just a second. Some of you are on the other side of this. You, you were like, oh, let's, let's do football for a second. Football. Um, you know, we're, we're Texas. It's expensive to play football. If, if a kid wants to play football, as a parent, you got to buy mouth guard. You got to buy helmet. You got to buy shoulder pads. You got to go get some Under Armour stuff, under the armor of Under Armour. And then you got to get socks. And then you got to get face paint. And then you got to get, get a pencil to put John 316 and, you know, Luke 9988 on there. And then you got you to put all the stuff on their face. And then you got to get them some sleeve. And then you got to get them wristbands. And you got to have the cleats. And then they got to have some cool cleats. And then you got to have all this stuff, right? So you put in all this money. Then the kid gets on the field and goes. <laughs> got everything all decked out. <laughs> I've almost run onto the field with my children at times. I'm like, you know how much money I paid for that stuff? You better tackle, you better tackle yourself. You better tackle somebody right now. You better fall down. You better get, there better be dirt. I just, I take my kids, I just rub them in the dirt. You know how much money I paid for this? You, you want your kid to give all the effort because you went all in. You want them to go all in. 
I, I, I'm trying to tell you that I think God is up in heaven going, hey, hey, I bought everything for you. Hey, I gave you the mouth guard. I gave you the cleats. I gave you the helmet of salvation. I gave you the breastplate of righteousness. I gave you the sword of the spirit. I gave you the belt of truth. I shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I've given all these things to you. Would you please stop running? Would you please go all in, go whole heart? Because this is what it takes to make it on earth as it is in heaven. So, uh, so we we had our we had our uh, cultivate conference right just a couple couple weeks uh, ago. It was awesome. Thank you again to all your amazing serve team. That, um, but there was a. Uh, there's this lady, I, I want to show her picture uh, real quick. I want to make sure all the other campuses too can see this picture. So uh, hopefully we can put it, put it up on, on, on every screen everywhere. I, I want you to see this picture, okay? Uh, this lady, her name is Jewel. Jewel. You, you can come back to me. You can come back to me. Um, her, her name is Jewel. She has, a, she has stage four breast cancer. She's in the hospital the week of Cultivate. She begs her doctors and medical professionals, hey, hey, let me go to Cultivate. Let me out of the hospital just so I can go to Cultivate. The doctors say yes. She shows up on Thursday, the night before the conference. That's the night we're praying over all the seats. We actually touch every seat. We actually do this at every location just so you know. So, so if your butt's hot, that's why. We, pray, we prayed that your butt will be on fire. <laughs> the love and the grace of God will grab a hold of you. So, Jewel, stage four breast cancer in the Winsphere Opera House, touching every seat. Then on Friday, she gets to be a part of the conference. On Saturday, she's back in the hospital. Why do I share that story? It's whole heart. It's whole heart. So many of us are making excuses. I, I, I'm, I'm looking for whole heart. I, I, I'm, I'm, giving my, I'm giving that myself. Now, I, I can't judge your heart. I, I don't know what maybe whole heart looks like for you. But when it comes to, to doing the things that God is calling us to do, the opportunities that he's given us, whether it's at church or at our jobs or in the community, are, 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 we, are we whole heart kind of people? Because whole heart, I think, can move a nation. I think whole heart actually opens people's eyes. I think whole heart makes people stand up and go, hey, I want some of that. I, I got one more verse. I got one more verse I want to share with you. Well, multiple verses, but it's a chunk. They all go together. Nehemiah chapter 6. It says when, verse number 1, when word came to Samballot, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, so those three guys are enemies, they're enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates. Samballot and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Oh, no. If you ever need an indicator not to go to a certain location, <laughs> it's when it's named, oh, no. There are some text messages you don't have to wonder what they mean. 
when they come in at 2.37 in the morning, it's not a prayer request. I like that nervous laughter. <laughs> he, he said it was a prayer request. He said it was a prayer No, no, that's not a prayer request. They were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project. It cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. I love this right here. I love this edge, this fire that's on the inside of Nehemiah because he's got people trying to get him down from the project that God has given him. Come down from there. Come on, you don't need to serve. Come on, come down, come down. You don't need to give. That's your money. You work hard for that. Come down from here. You don't need to go to church every week. Are you becoming some fanatic now? Oh, you think you're better than us? Come down. Come down. Hey, it's just pornography. Come on, it's not going to hurt your marriage. Come down from here. It's just drinks. Hey, we're just hanging out. Nothing's going to happen. Come down from here. Come on, am I trying to be, am I being too real? Am I, am I, am I trying to get in your business too much? I'm just trying, this is where we actually live. You and I have friends and family members that are like, hey, hey. Come on, it doesn't take all that. Cut it out. Come on, don't, don't be that into that God thing. Hey, I remember, hey, I'm your frat brother. I'm your sorority sister. I know you, okay? I got the pictures. I, I got Instagram photos right now. I'll show them. Come down. And I'm just letting you know, I love Nehemiah. He's like, hey, I see, I see what you're saying, but you're actually scheming to harm me. You're trying to get me off my purpose. You're trying, the reason, I'll, I'll make it personal. The reason I don't look at pornography is not because it's not a temptation. There are times it pops into my head. Come on, come on, stick with me for just a second. It pops into my head. I go, hey, I remember I used to be addicted to that stuff. I wonder what's going on with that. Then I look at my wife. And I go, I can't go down. I'm carrying on a great project right here. Uh, right now, my wife and I are trying to show our kids what it means for Christ to love the church. I got a great project going on so I don't go down. Yes, there's temptation out there, but my project actually trumps the temptation that's out there. So many of us, we run so quickly to temptation because we have no project. I'm doing something that God has called me to do. I can't come down. Why would? I, why should the work stop? And I go down to you. I'm not saying I'm better. I'm just saying I'm working on something. Jesus Christ is actually woven all throughout the pages of Scripture. He's woven all throughout. And he's even here in this passage as well. My last verse is Mark, or verses are Mark chapter 15. Verse 29, those who passed by Jesus hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. 
Verse 32, let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. So here is Jesus up on this old rugged cross with his arms stretched wide. carrying on a great project. I can't come down. I, I actually have in mind the sin and the shame and the division and the discord and the pain of all of humanity. There are people right now separated from God and I can't come down because right now I'm putting everybody back together right now. I can't come down. I'm carrying on a great project. What you and I are stepping into, we're just following in the path of our Savior. Jesus gave his whole heart for us. That's why we give our whole heart to him. We're just trying to be as much like Jesus as we possibly can. Not for our glory. At all of our locations, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, bow your heads for just a moment. If you're in the lobby, bow your head for just a moment. Maybe even online, just bow your head for just a moment. If you're under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus. You've never made him first. You never made him number one. You've never made him the boss of your life. Or maybe if you're honest with yourself right now, you would say, there was a time I was following Jesus. There was a time I was on his path. There was a time I was going his direction. But right now, I'm going my own way. Jesus is merely my co-pilot. Or maybe he's in the backseat of the car. Or maybe I kicked him out miles ago. And I've just been going my own way, doing my own thing. And whether you're single or married, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, whether you have your PhD or your GED, I need you to know that God is actually interested in you in this moment and he wants you to respond to his grace and surrender your heart and your life to him. So if that's you, under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. Or at one point in time you didn't, you slipped away. On the count of three, I want you to do something simple but something bold. On the count of three, I want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just throw your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Friends in the balcony, friends at Mockingbird and Oak Cliff and on the floor, you're just saying, yes. This is me, I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Friends in North Dallas are saying, yes, I want to give my heart, my life to Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone under the sound of my voice, do me a favor, put your hand over your heart if you would not mind, every person. And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we lift our heads up and clap our hands with enthusiasm at all of our locations?